Hello, my name is Nathan Foster, and I'd like to welcome you to the Renovare Weekly Podcast. I thought it might be fun this year to occasionally do a podcast where we work with a devotional classic, something that is so rich and timeless, um, and sometimes these things are hard to work with, and so having someone explain some of this uh, I've found to be particularly helpful. And so this podcast will talk about St. John of the Cross, the 16th century poet. And in this, we interview Charles Ayers. Charles is a spiritual director, retreat leader, retired pastor, and he currently uh, works in the Renovar Institute doing spiritual direction and worship. You can find more information about Charles at talloaks.org. As always, thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Hey, Charles, how are you today? I'm doing well, Nate. Glad to be with you. Yeah, this is fun. Well, I'm I'm been toying with this idea of you know working through some of the spiritual classics, and um, you have a friend that uh, you'd like to introduce us to, huh? Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. It's a, a friend that I have uh, met only through pages, um, <laughs> and uh, and through the spirit that the pages project. Yes. Um, but uh, John of the Cross has become a friend. Mm. But t- tell us a little about, about John of the Cross. Well, John, John is interesting just in and of himself, even if he'd never written anything. Um, he, uh, his dad was uh, of a wealthy silk merchant in Spain, mm-hmm. and his mom was uh, of a poor family, a weaver family. And and they fell in love, and and the uh, John's father, um, his parents said to him, "If you marry this woman, we will disown you, and you will not have any inheritance." Um, and they did. He married for love, um, and uh, and um, as a result, uh, they lived uh, a poor life. Hmm. Uh, John was the third son to be born. Um, and when John was about just a little over two years old, uh, his father died, hmm. was left his mom with three boys. She went around to all of the family, the, the wealthy part of the family, mm-hmm. um, and they all rejected her. Wow. None of them would have anything to do with her. And, so, and this is in, this is in Spain? In, in Spain, 15? in in the mid-1500s. Okay. John was born, I think, 1554 or something like that. So this would have put her in destitute poverty yes, at that point. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the middle son, uh, Lewis died, uh, probably, we don't know how, but he, he died, um, at the age of seven or eight, probably from malnutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then John at the age of nine was put in a school for the poor. Okay. Um, so he, he, he at least got, Food and shelter and some rudimentary, uh, rudimentary uh, um, uh, education um, and a trade. They try to teach him a trade. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> and as, they, as uh, a poet, they, right? Yeah, that they well, teach that in the poet, school of poor. <laughs> yeah, they they tried to teach him a trade and, and and none of which he had an aptitude for at all. Uh, but what they saw is he had an aptitude for the sick. Okay. So they they had him go to a hospital uh, where the benefactor of the hospital for the poor um, kind of saw his potential 
and picked him up. And it was because of that man and the education that that man provided for John that he ended up, um, you know, uh, getting enough education to then be noticed and, and eventually go to training as a Carmelite um, brother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did he become a priest, too? Yes, he was. He was ordained uh, a priest, which which uh, wasn't. I mean, it was an option, I think, but not a necessary option. But something that that uh, that the powers to be encouraged him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then uh, at age twenty five, he had thought he would be uh, just a, a quiet, reflective um, monk. Monk. Mm-hmm his whole life. Um, but he came across, uh, a woman twice his age, um, Teresa of Avila. Mm-hmm. And, and at, uh, she was 52 and he was 25 and she had been working to, uh, reform the Carmelite order okay. uh, from within. Um, uh, she was forming discalced Carmelites, okay. uh, which means without shoes. Um, so the distinction between the Carmelites and the discalced Carmelites was one wore shoes and the other one didn't wear shoes. <laughs> they literally went barefoot. Yeah, well, probably in the winter they you know put on a sandal or something, but for okay. the for the warmer times of the year they they went uh, barefoot. Huh, what um, was what was the thinking behind was, that? I'm not sure. Hmm. That would be a good a good thing to. For one of your listeners to explore. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Teresa enlists John to help with some of this. So like the yeah. Catholic Reformation. Is that accurate? It, it is. It is. I mean, that's it, within the Carmelite order in Spain, this was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so John, uh, John said, yes, uh, Teresa went back to her, her order, the sister's, um, and said, I found a brother to help us. Um, he's half a friar. <laughs> and they probably looked at her like she was, you know, what do you mean? And, and she said, I found John, and John is a very short man. <laughs> so I call him half a friar. <laughs> he, how, how tall was he? Do we I know? I think he was about 4'11". Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I wonder if his lack of nutrition as a child. Very possibly. Sure. Yeah. And, and he was, uh, he ended up dying at the age of 49. Okay. Um, uh, as, and had a number of sicknesses, but, but some of those sicknesses uh, and illnesses came as a result of, of working to, to reform the Carmelite order. Um, I mean, if you've ever, ever kind of explored the inner inner dynamics of a church, um, a Catholic order is similar to that. And and you know that that if you suggest change, um, <laughs> you often get uh, 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 people don't accept that very openly and freely. And and so. John was working with Teresa to reform the Carmelite, the, the male side of the Carmelite order. Mm-hmm. Um, and the brothers that he had been, that had been his kind of community, uh, kidnapped him 
Okay. And held him prisoner for nine months. Wow. Um, and and during that time, uh, he was uh, in like a, a four by eight room. Um, it was stifling hot in the summer. It was freezing cold in the winter. Uh, had one small window high, open air window high in the wall. Um, uh, was all the light that he had. Mm. And, uh, and they uh, fed him bread and water uh, three times a week, beat him every Wednesday. Wow. Uh, and the purpose of it, I mean, the hope for them was to have him recant and come back to the Carmelite order and, and uh, not. So he, for six months, they didn't let him out at all. Uh, and they wouldn't give him any paper. They wouldn't give him anything to write on or with. Um, they they didn't let him have his book of order to be able to do his worship. Wow. Um, and uh, then there was a changing of the guard, which was another brother mm-hmm. um, who was a little bit kinder. And he let John for an hour a day stand outside his cell. Um, and it was in that. Uh, one of those hours of standing outside his cell that he had tied sheets and clothing together enough to let himself down mm. <laughs> out a window and escape um, and uh, and came to some of the Carmelite, the Discalced Carmelite sisters mm-hmm. uh, and um, welcomed by them, uh, but frail and and sick as a result of the ordeal. Wow, um, but in in that prison setting, once he got paper, um, he wrote. I think it was five of the fifteen poems that he he wrote during his life. Did did his poem, "The Dark Knight," come out of his imprisonment? Uh, he he wrote one of his other poems, several of his other poems in there. But but we can only I can only surmise that that it was as a result of that experience that, 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 uh, the poem, the dark night. Boy, that, that puts it in context in a whole new way. I mean, that kind of escaping in the, in the poem. Yeah. Why you can, you can hear that. Yeah. Wow. And is he, he's most famously, I mean, that's how I know him is, is that poem. Is that his most famous piece of work? The spiritual canticle is another um, one. And then uh, The Living Flame of Love, mm-hmm. which is a wonderful poem about how the spirit and the soul connect. Mm-hmm. Um, God's spirit and and a human soul connect, that uh, living flame of love. Mm-hmm. Um, his poems are not long, and uh, <laughs> and as because he... He's a mystic. Mm-hmm. He wrote with, I mean, there's, I think it would be good to read uh, The Dark Knight um, sure. as a part of this. But um, he, he, uh, he was, uh, people would read his poetry and say, that's just wonderful. That's beautiful. That, that's so, there's so much imagery. And what does it mean? Mm-hmm. And, and so he actually wrote commentaries on uh, three of his major poems, those three major poems. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, and so <laughs> it, 
in my reading uh, of of John, even his um, commentary of his poems uh, is very helpful on occasion, but uh, often is more <laughs> just confuses me more. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, why don't why don't I read the poem? And but first, I have to tell you how I encountered the his his work. I didn't know who it was, but there's a there's an old. Do, do, do you know the the singer John Michael Talbot? Yes, the yeah. beard, the bearded monk, right? Yeah. Um, I I, I, re- I listened to him for for years on repeat, but he has an obscure album called The Lover and Beloved. Do Do you know this album? Yeah, and and The Dark Knight. He has a The Dark Knight is one of his songs, right? right. Yep. Yeah, and that it's probably one of my favorite albums of John Michael Talbot. I don't think it sold well because it's kind of dark. Um, <laughs> but uh, man, uh, you, on a when life turned rough, <laughs> uh, I just would soak in those words. And then later, I found out. Wait a minute, that's you know, this is Saint John of the Cross. You know, <laughs> well let me let me read it. But first, just to kind of, I mean, here's what I'm picking up, Charles, as we're as we're talking about this is is a a person that grew up in extreme poverty. Um, and boy, I wonder if there's something there to the fact that his father married for love because John was mm-hmm. certainly a lover, right? Yes. So something yeah. in there was maybe passed down. Yeah. But this person then that was raised to a high status at a young age um, and then in following what he felt was God's call, led him to be imprisoned and beaten by his, his own brothers. What a dark... What yeah. a dark place. And so maybe yeah. from that, I mean, I could really picture that this being written or, or some of this being cooked from a cell. Uh, sure. That. So sure. let me, let me go. And, and his John's uh, favorite book of scripture um, and the one that he asked to be read on his deathbed when he was dying at the age of 49, um, they were going to do the last rites. And he said, oh, you know, please don't do the last rites. I'd love to hear um, the Song of Songs one uh, more time. Wow! So that was his favorite his favorite book was uh, that uh, you know the Song of Songs, mm. which is a love story, right? Right. Um, between uh, well, between two people, but but it, in Scripture we interpret it as as being between um, God and the person. Yes. Um, and uh, it's, the, it's the it's the erotica in the Bible, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you see some, you see a lot of that in John's writing. Yep, you do that that sense of of, of deep intimacy um, with uh, between God and the human soul. Mm-hmm. The human, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's good. Okay, well, let me let me read it and give you know I'm sure a number of people have heard it before, but sit in it a little bit and then we can chat about it. You're going to read it in Spanish or in English? Uh, Latin, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, English, English, just for you, Charles. <laughs> One dark night, fired with love's urgent longings. Ah, the sheer grace. I went out unseen, my house being now all stilled. In darkness and secure by the secret ladder disguised. Ah, the sheer grace in darkness and concealment, my house being now all stilled on that glad night in secret for no one saw me, nor did I look at anything with no other light or guide than the one that burned in my heart. 
This guided me more surely than the light of noon to where he was awaiting me, him I knew so well, there in a place where no one appeared. O guiding light, O night more lovely than the dawn, O night that has united the lover with his beloved, transforming the beloved in her lover. Upon my flowering breast, which I kept holy for him alone, there he lay sleeping, and I caressing him, there in a breeze from the feigning cedars. When the breeze blew from the turret as I parted his hair, it wounded my neck with its gentle hand, suspending all my senses. I abandoned and forgot myself, laying my face on my beloved. For all things ceasing, I went out from myself, leaving my cares forgotten among the lilies. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Gosh, it's so good. It is just amazing. <laughs> that uh, first first stanza, um, you know, one dark night fired by love's urgent longings. I mean, that that's the, his soul's love is so deep for God that on this dark night, um, he's, he's just longing for, for God, for more of God, for, mm. for, a, for a depth. And then that, that, that word awe, which you said so well when you read it, you did the, the there's two ways in English we use awe. Okay. It's, it's, it's awe. <laughs> and it's, <gasps> and then the, the, the exhale awe is the one he's talking here. The inhale oh, is more surprise and shock. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the ah oh, is, is depth and connection and amazement. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so it's that kind of, of looking at, at the gift of God's grace and the goodness of, of this darkness. Mm-hmm. Just um, soaking oh, in it. Yeah, oh, <laughs> and then he goes out unseen, unseen by his his not only unseen by those around him, but it's it's an internal journey. So he's he, he's unseen by distractions, hmm. unseen by by the things that that uh, can keep us from uh, the, you know, worry and and. Uh, all those kinds of things, um, his house, his whole being, his soul is now all stilled. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that last stanza, I mean, there's so much in the middle there where the, the journey of the darkness, um, but, uh, but he ends with hope. Mm-hmm. He ends mm-hmm. with, with that sense of hope, which the Psalms, the Psalmists do. All the time. I mean, mm-hmm. even in the lament psalms, it's you know, where's God? Where's God? Where's God? But I hope in God. <laughs> right. It always comes around in, a, in an yeah. authentic, beautiful way, don't they? Yeah. And and the same thing with John in that last stanza, stanza eight. I abandoned and forgot myself. That sense of of uh, nothingness is really important to John. Hmm. Um, that I I see myself and all that I have as nothing Hmm. compared, as Paul would say, to the surpassing richness Mm -hmm. (laughs) of knowing God. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so 
He abandons himself and forget, abandons and forgets himself, laying my face on my beloved. Um, all things ceased, and I went out from myself, leaving my cares forgotten among the lilies. There's that. I'm just even in, even though in the darkness, mm-hmm. I'm just relaxing into the presence of God, and so it's just so powerful. Just there's so much in every phrase within every stanza. Charles, I'm wondering if you can help me with this. As I parted his hair, it wounded my neck. What, what does that mean? Well, that, that's the one phrase that I wish you hadn't asked me about. <laughs> <laughs> Choose another. <laughs> yeah, because um, I, I'm not sure, and, and John, at least in my reading, doesn't get to, to that. Um, but, you know, we can we can kind of parse it out a little bit. I mean, again, there's that that intimacy. Mm-hmm. And and I've talked with a lot of males um, in our society today who have a hard time with, you know, this almost erotic mm-hmm. language um, uh, as a man to what they perceive as a male mm-hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. God. Um, and and what's been helpful to to those who have that sensitivity mm-hmm. um, is to realize that that it it's not the human man and a human and a, a male god. Right. Right. Um, it, it, it's it's the human soul mm-hmm. that's connecting to the spirit of God. Yeah. Um, and, and and some have found that that helpful, but. It, it, speak, to, it speaks to our, you know, real difficulty in having pronouns and language to transcend gender that yeah. um, God is not confined to those categories in the way that we are. Yeah. And, and it is, um, you know, when the breeze blew from the turret, I parted his hair. Um, I mean, that, again, you can kind of read that literally, or you can say breeze, spirit, spirit is blowing from the, from the presence of God. Um, and, uh, and I part, I parted his hair and it wounded my neck with its gentle hand, uh, suspending all my senses. I, I, I mean, I, for me, what, what that means is, is that there, the dark night, the, the first part of the dark night is a suspension of the senses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and so to have um, his, to, to, to be wounded by that, I don't know that wounded in the neck, I'm not sure exactly mm-hmm. what that means, but to realize that, that, that surrender feels like woundedness mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to us. Sure. You know, you know surrender um, feels like dying. Right. And, and on one level, it is. I mean, we're dying to, to self. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's a, what's happening in a dark night is, is that we are, we, are, we are feeling wounded. Mm-hmm. As something we've been holding on to so tightly that's detrimental to us and to our relationship with God, but we hold on to it so mm-hmm. tight. 
Hmm. Something has we have to let go of it, and as we let go of it, often there's a sense of loss, which is a wounding. It's hmm. good. So, Charles, as someone who teaches uh, St. John's work and works with this uh, poem, how do you use it personally? So that's the thing that has really kind of drawn me to to John um, is is that there he lays out uh, the possibility of of a of a union with God uh, probably twenty five thirty years ago mm-hmm. uh, that kind of became a part of my prayer mm-hmm. and, and my my hope and my goal for my my own spiritual journey is is as much as is possible in this life god i would like to be so connected to you that when people look at me they see you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, and and john uh, that's john's hope and goal for mm-hmm. um for everyone as well so you have this dark night of the senses and then you you come out of that and and God gave John a rest, hmm. and he calls that rest section uh, proficient. Okay. For whatever reason, I'm not sure. You know, it's not he's not using the classical terms that, that sometimes get used. Um, but but at some point in that proficient stage, you go into another dark night, and this time it's a dark night of the spirit. Hmm. And and in a dark night of the spirit, instead of the senses. Uh, being affected. Now we're dealing with will mm-hmm. um, uh, much more so. Uh, and and so we have to be willing. The, the question, John doesn't ask it, but the question that gets raised is, would you still love God if God never blessed you again? Mm-hmm. Um, now, God will bless you again, mm-hmm. but is our love based on mm-hmm. blessings? Or I might spin it just a little if, if God didn't bless us in the ways we wanted to be blessed or considered blessings, right? Um, are we holding on to certain things that we expect or need from God? To me, it, it's no coincidence that it, it seems to be in all the devotional masters there's there's these pieces of withdrawal and darkness, withdrawal of God's presence, and yeah. I take great comfort in that, in in knowing that sometimes when we enter into those spaces, um, we're in good company. Hmm? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, and and it's it's not haphazard. Hmm. Um, I I think I've heard people over the years uh, use. Um, what Jesus says in terms of uh, you, you have to uh, take up your cross and follow me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've heard, uh, you know, people say, my mother-in-law is my cross, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or my health, you know, and, or mm-hmm. lack of health is, is my cross. Um, and I don't think that's what Jesus meant at all. I mean, but those aren't crosses to bear. Those are just the stuff of life. Sure. Um, I, you know, I think a cross is, that is a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So, so if, if your mother-in-law is persecuting you because you are loving 
her daughter perfectly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the in the love that Christ has has given you and enables you to have, then maybe that's a cross. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe <laughs> maybe I'd add the voluntary piece to it, right? A voluntary yeah. death, yeah. Um, as opposed yeah. to one that's implemented yeah. upon us. You know, but, and, but people talk about dark night of the soul. I think in a wrong way too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there's uh, dark night of the soul is is not just a dry period of spirituality. Mm-hmm. You know, spirituality. Dark night of the soul is, is not, you know, uh, a time of illness necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at least in the way John talks about it. Uh, a dark night of the soul has, has purpose and intent. And in some ways, God leads us into those, mm-hmm. those places. Um, and, and why we call it, you know, the dark night, I mentioned surrender, and it feels like dying. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also comes and we can't stop it. When, when we say uh, yes to God in a new way, we all of a sudden are, are in unknown territory, spiritually mm-hmm. speaking. Mm-hmm. We might still be in the same church and, you know, have the same job and all those kinds of things. But mm-hmm. uh, interior, in, from our interior, we're going into unknown territory, and that feels like night to us. Mm-hmm. And certainly, as, as Mimi has said before, there's a difference between the dark night of the soul and the dark night of the hole that we dug ourselves into. <laughs> <laughs> a couple couple questions as we kind of close things up. Do you have any sense as to what was going on maybe in the church or historically that here in this little blip of time in Spain, 1500s, we have two people whose work has lived on, uh, you know, John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila, um, and both of them very intimate experiences, encounters with God. Any sense as to why that came about? Well, they, they were reforming the Carmelite order because they felt like the Carmelite order had got away from its original stringentness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, that... that uh, that, that the commitment to God, the kind of time in prayer, uh, all of those things had, had kind of loosened up a little bit. Um, and Teresa and John eventually um, felt like, you know, we need to get back to our roots. Hmm. Uh, but, but as I said, Teresa didn't experience it quite as much uh, or as physically as John did. Um, hmm. But they both experienced you know, tremendous pressure, um, and pressure could, as with as with us, can do two things. You know, we can either flee from it, mm-hmm. um, and and say it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this this struggle with God is is just not worth it. You know, mm-hmm. why 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 go there? Or we can embrace it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and if we embrace it, we go deep. Yep. And and that's what that's I think what John and and Teresa uh, had to do. They had to go deep in order to do what they felt like God was asking them mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful and what a what a special time in history 
to have had these these two two together. One more thing, just really quick, because sure. I know a lot a lot of your listeners have either experienced or are uh, or will experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, a couple of things we need when we go into the dark night is we need to trust God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, God is not abandoning us, even though it feels like God's love is hidden. Um, God's love is is uh, is being expressed just in a different way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's out of love that God guides us into and through mm. these dark, dark night experiences. Um, so we need to trust God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we need to not run away. Mm. To not be frightened by it, but mm-hmm. to embrace it like we talked about before. Press in. Yeah. yeah, I love framing it as this is a movement of God's love for us. And and an opportunity for us to grow in ways that we probably couldn't without some level of suffering. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I mean to add to that, we need each other in that. I need you to yes. remind me to trust. You yeah. Know? And I need yeah. to hear other stories of um, the goodness that awaits, whether in this yeah. life or the next. Huh. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't a. It wasn't a for John. At least he doesn't give the appearance. It wasn't a a faith um, abandoning time. The darkness didn't didn't cause him to question his faith. Mm-hmm. What the darkness did is it drove him deeper. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. Yep, beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Charles. And I, I, I just have to note one day I'm, I'm eager to see you standing next to St. John of the Cross. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Charles, you're a very tall man. <laughs> yes. Yes. If, if John is 4'11", I'm 432. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm picturing the embrace between the two of you. <laughs> Very, very good. All right. Thanks, Charles, so much. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Nate. Great to do it.